Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, guys. Welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. In studio, as always, we have Hot Rods and Happy Hour's financial analyst slash Matt Damon fan, Richard hey, Hoskins. Right. Let's not get out of hand there, but... uh you know, in honor of talking about the movies that we've been doing all day, how about a shout-out to Hollywood, California? That's what I'm saying. Big and, car and of course, we have Hot Rods and Happy Hours Legal Counsel slash all-around cool car guy, Kobe Miller. What's going on? And then, of course, we've got the driver of the world's fastest Rambler and Roebuck, Tim Greer. Bonafide. Bonafide. That's right. And then, of course, we have Sean from EMF Autos and Audio. Both of them. Both of them. So, we're talking about movie cars. We got a special guest coming up that builds movie cars. He actually helped with the restoration project of the Back to the Future DeLorean, which, in my opinion, is probably one of the end all be all movie cars of all time. It's definitely, probably, certainly one of the most iconic. I love those things. That's my most favorite. Recognized. Movie most recognized. Most recognized. One of, my, one of yeah. the most recognized. Kobe, what's one of your favorite movie cars? I would have to say the Hudson Hornet. From cars, yes, driving a Daisy. cartoon, and yes. driving Morgan Freeman. But you is. know that car was actually a. They based it off a real car, the right. Hudson Hornet. It was. You know, it was actually a real race car, right? And it, it is. It's a. It's an awesome car. They're cool. I'll, I'll give it. I, to I you. like a Hudson Hornet. I don't. I don't know. That I'd put I that like at number one, but to me, I like it. But that's a good. It's different. It is. It is. They're cool and real. Like the real yeah. ones, yeah, I exactly. love them. Go ahead and say, it, Professor. What would you use? Well, what would be mine? Yeah. Uh, everybody know, that knows me knows uh, it would be a 58 Plymouth Belvedere. Um, Christine. Yeah, Christine. Which can, in, the movie, just... in the movie, in the book, was a Fury, but the actual cars were not Furies. They were Belvedere Sport Coupes because Furies were all eggshell white. Do you know what shade of red they used on them? Uh, let's call it Cardinal Red in the book, but the movie cars are actually an 83 Camaro color. It's sad. <laughs> All this Mopar knowledge. Bonafide, what's yours? That would be the Smokey and the Bandit Trans Am. That's a good one. Everybody loves mm. Burt. I saw that one coming. I can, yeah. You know, I can feel that. I mean, Sean, favorite movie car? I can't explain it. I'm not an overly huge Batman fan or anything, but the Michael Keaton area. Uh, era Batmobile. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, that Batmobile. Kim Basinger, I always do my Batman by the ladies. The Kim Basinger one. That was like 89. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, for whatever reason, I, I really like the styling of it. I, I like the whole idea behind it. It's just for some reason that's stuck in my head is I really like that one. Well, you know, Casey from Vinwicky, he has a jet-powered Batmobile. Yeah, I, that one. I, I I want to talk to him more about that sometime because that, <laughs> yeah, well, I've seen it, not in person, but yeah. I've, I've seen videos of it. But a real jet-powered, jet-propelled Batmobile. You know that uh, Horny Mike's got one, too. A Batmobile? Yep. I did not know that. Yep. It was a... From Counting Cars. Yep, 
basically a hull. That's all he's got. He don't have no frame. No, he's basically a shield. He's got a body. Yeah, but he is working on a Batmobile. I mean, it's cool. I mean, I mean, it's you know, I like that's my favorite Batmobile of all. Personally, I like it better than the OG Bears. Yes, I'm not a big fan of the OG Bears Batmobile. (laughs) It's all right, but it's just a lot. Yeah, it's just a lot going. I guess a lot of the stuff. Yeah, look at the back computer for Christ's sake. Exactly, it spit cards out. (laughs) You know what? I've never once seen them stock the cards. Did it? Did it make paper too? It's magic. But you see what I'm getting at. Did Alfred go in there and stock the cards in the machine? <laughs> no, just spit your little card out. How about how about a computer screen? You know, wouldn't yeah. that be simple enough? Yep. Part of the the Hollywood shout out that would tie into that is a few weeks ago I went up to Bronson Caves, which is where the original Batcave was. That's cool. So uh, cool. I've I've got pictures of all that, and you can tell you just you throw some greenery around the open it, bam, there's there's your Batcave. <laughs> but uh, but that's that's the one where they were always driving the car out of it. If you ever go there, it's just big enough to fit that car through it. That's kind of cool. Where is it at? That is um, in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Uh, you can actually see the Hollywood sign from it. Um, there's a, a road that goes up to it from a park, and it's like a quarter-mile walk, and there's just a – it's not that big of a – I can show you pictures of it. It's not that big. but It looks like – you think it would be huge, but it's yeah. just like a parking spot. It's well, a single-car I mean, garage. It's, it's open on both ends. The, the – where they actually film it is open on one end, and then the other side has three openings. But collectively, the whole thing is like maybe 80, 90 feet long tops. Did you get to slide down the pole and all that stuff in the back uh, cave? Unfortunately, there was no pole. It was just, <laughs> oh, they took those out. It, it was just really weapon. rocky. There's an elevator now. I mean, <laughs> we took the escalator, the bat escalator. You know, but we got, we got a really cool call-in guest coming up. And I'm excited about it because Video Bob... Knows George Bears, hung out with George Bears, helped restore the Back to the Future DeLorean, builds 18 vans, Ecto-1s. He was in Ghostbusters. In it? In it. All right. The girl Ghostbusters. The girl? The last one. Yeah, Ghostbusters 3 or 4, whatever it was. Everyone knows the return or the call, answer the call or whatever. Yeah. I believe I've had the pleasure. I'm You've not sure. seen that ghost? I don't think so. Professor. The I, one I'm, with the square body Cadillac hearse. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Did he have it? No. But he, uh, this guy, Knight Rider Curse. And i tell you what else is really cool. And uh, I hope to get talked to him about it. He actually has the Knight Rider 2000 the, or the 3000, the Banshee. Really? That was based off a Chrysler. Is it the um, the same car that was in the Wrath? No, no, no. The, the Banshee. You remember the red one? Remember yeah, the, no, the, I remember the, the Banshee show car. Right. Well, they took that car. It's like a body, but it sat on a Chrysler huh. platform for the, for, the, for, the, for the Knight Rider. Of course it ran. <laughs> of course it did. Okay. For a few minutes. And then the transmission <laughs> went out. But but this guy but this guy builds like he's diehard about the future like I mean you got to think about it I mean they build screen authentic replicas of these things that's wild Looking and he's going to be it. telling us all about that I'm stoked about it guys you need to stay tuned we got a real special guest headed your way right here on Hot Rods and Happy Hour right here on 106.3 WORD. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right guys welcome back to hot rods and happy hour and we got sean from emf autos and audio both of them both in the studio, but I told you we had a good calling guest. We've been talking about movie cars, and I'm going to tell you something. You know, I was racking my brain because I want a good calling guest because I, I take this job seriously. Sorry, I was chuckling a little bit, but I take this job extremely seriously, and I wanted to bring in a good calling guest. And I'm thinking, who can I bring in? And I thought about it. The guy I watch on YouTube all the time, Video Bob Mosley. This guy, Back to Future DeLoreans. Friggin' Ecto-1 from Ghostbusters. He was actually in Ghostbusters. The, really? Yeah. This guy is the go-to movie car guy. He hangs out with the real Ghostbusters. He was hanging out with Ernie Hudson. Wait, wait. Is you trying to tell me that he ain't afraid of no ghost? He ain't afraid. I'm 99% sure he ain't afraid of no ghost. Bob, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, Rabbit. Come on. That's what uh, I was like. I was in Ghostbusters. But I was in the girl Ghostbusters, and nobody wanted to see that one. So nobody saw it. Yeah. See, why did you have to? I built you up, and then you knocked it down. You, <laughs> I did. I'm self-deprecating. Everybody, every, everybody's thinking, man, he was partying with Dan Aykroyd back in the 80s. No. Yeah, well, I'm also only 45. so I didn't. <laughs> Well, keep in mind, I'm 40, so, so I, I feel your pain there. I mean, I caught it on VHS. I wasn't at the theater or anything, you know. But... So we're talking about movie cars, and you know, of course, you know, whenever you get a new car movie that hits the theaters, like Ford versus Ferrari, you know, it, it, it spurs this interest in the automotive genre, and you know, car guys come out of the guru or come out of the, come out of everywhere, and you know, everybody's a guru of all things, and I've got people telling me all about Carol Shelby now that. 
that I didn't even know knew anything about cars all of a sudden, but Google's a powerful tool. So I've met Carol Shelby before, and that's a story for another time, but we talked about cows. It was just a long story. But anyway, <laughs> it's a, uh, but you know what, if you're interviewing Carol Shelby and he wants to talk about cows, damn it, we're talking about cows. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's not a guy you just steer in the direction you want to go. But, you know, so talking about movie cars, you know, Ford versus Ferrari, I haven't seen it. Sean hasn't seen it. So I don't want to talk about it. You know what I want to talk about? I want to talk about Ecto-1s, Knight Rider cars, Back to the Future cars. That's what I want to talk about. You've built 31 time-traveling DeLoreans. That's true. How many of those are full functional? um, Well, they're fully functional. Uh, You know, I mean, it's anticlimactic because at 88 miles an hour, you don't really go through time. You just, you know get a speeding ticket but so like well, know, or what are they like time circuit delete or or, or what do we keep well, it, from the magic is it is the one is the plutonium really that hard to find in 2019 well, here's what's so cool about it is with the technology of today we actually have a gps unit that's built into the dash that runs the speedometer and when you hit 88 miles an hour it sets off a series of relays that turns the flux capacitor bright makes the Dates change on the dash, makes the needles drop, it makes the flux bands on the outside light up, and it does everything with the sound effects just like it does in the movie in real time. But it's anticlimactic because after that, you know, the, that's it. It doesn't, it doesn't well, go no. into a ball of flames or go through time or anything. But it is cool to be going down the freeway and have somebody chasing you, taking your picture, and you speed up, and then everything, you know, the look on their face is like, they're expecting it to disappear, and then it's like, oh, it's still here. Now, the question that I have <laughs> is, uh, it, that sounds awesome when you hit 88, but I, I understand those things don't have a lot of power, so how long does it take to get to 88? Well, it takes a minute. I mean, it had a, <laughs> a strong mechanically <laughs> fuel-injected, uh, it's a Volvo V6. It's a boat motor. It's called a V28, and it's a Volvo Peugeot Renault combo with a mechanical fuel injection like you've seen on early Porsches and, you know, Jaguars, Ferraris, even Bentleys, you know. And uh, zero to 60 on that thing's about 12 seconds, 130 horsepower. She's a beast. So in fifth gear, you you can, I mean, I got a ticket going 106 in it one time about 15 years ago. and uh, It took about 14 years to get there, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, at, at that speed, you know, it's wobbly and scary in a DeLorean. I mean, they're not, you know, great cars. And, uh, you know, my other daily driver is a Cadillac CTSV. Now, I got the wagon version. And I can regularly, you know, when I go to visit Mexico, which is nearby, you can hit 185 in that car. And, and your butthole don't lip up off the seat till you get going about 165. So, you know, it's a pretty comfortable over 100 ride. But in the DeLorean, when you get going over 100, you, you feel like you're about to travel through time because it's a pretty scary, you know, experience. It's, it's, it's not a good I, don't, I don't know if you feel like you're about to travel through time or meet God. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> like, it's like that scene in planes, trains and automobiles when they're, they're going through the, in between the two trucks and, and he looks over and, and John Candy turns into the devil and starts laughing at him. <laughs> yeah. That, like, the car, I mean, I've owned 30 something cars and, and, I'm pretty well known in the DeLorean community because uh, we have to be to keep these cars on the road. A lot of them don't like me because I dog the car. 
You know, they made about 92, 9,300 of these cars, about 6,000 of them still exist. And some of the purists who love these cars are angry that I go drilling holes in them and turn them into the time machine. But I'll be and honest that's with you, that's what you made know, this car. That's what made the it, DeLorean. Yeah. If it wasn't it, for it, that, it would have got forgotten about years ago. It would be a Brickland. Exactly. It, you hit the nail on the head. The SV1. Have you ever heard of a Brickland show? I have. I have I have actually seen, I think, three in person. The Safety Vehicle One. That's sexy. That's that I mean, you know what I'm saying. You see a Brickland, you think, man, this is a this is a badass car. They're not. At all. They're it, horrible. It looks like and it's that trying was a, to be. And that was another that was another now that was a John DeLorean kind of a baby too, wasn't it? He didn't have anything to do with it directly, although he did go meet with Malcolm Bricklin, and you know they he was inspired by the going do- doors. But let's not forget, we're talking about movie cars. The original Gone in 60 Seconds started off with a chase and a Bricklin. It had a V8 motor in it. Yeah, it did. Well, it, had a, it was uh, Ford Power, right? Yeah. So if you remember that uh, original movie with no uh, with no words in it, <laughs> it was just car it was a, it was a car, car wreck. Well. I mean, you got to think about it. The original Eleanor, I think the thing that attracts me most to the original Gone in 60 Seconds is the original Eleanor, how many times the hubcaps came off, but they were still on it at the end of the movie. Yeah. Like, every time it hung a corner, a hubcap shot off. It's like a drinking game. You would be hammered by the end of that movie, and they were all still on it at the end. I'm trying to say there's some continuity issues with movie cars and films. Oh, I want to tell you something. There's a lot of issues with the Gone in 60 Seconds if you're that movie guy. (laughs) If you catch things, you will go nuts for that movie. Well, the you know the Knight Rider car, which is another car we do, is one of those cars where, when you'd watch the television show, you know you wouldn't catch the nose falling off or the hubcaps go flying. You know, uh, 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 one of the movie cars we did recently was the A Team Van. Now that was one of my favorite shows, and the A Team Van I saw in one show in one episode. They must have went through six vans. They started off with a hero van that had five lug wheels that were staggered. The thing was riding four inches off the concrete. It looked beautiful. Then it turns, and then it tops a curve, and it's going through the grass. And now it's a 3,500 with eight lug wheels about nine inches off the ground. Then it jumps over a river. Now it's a 76 van with round headlights with the motor mounted in the middle and a roll cage. It lands, and the fender flares go flying off. Then it keeps going, and then it goes into a river. Now it's a Ford Econoline <laughs> as it goes into the river, you know. And so when people get on my case about these cars where they, they say, well, that's not screen accurate. I seem to remember this or that. And I'm like, look, when it came to TV co- show cars like the A-Team and Knight Rider and this kind of thing, that car changed minute by, second by second, scene by scene. You know, you, you'd see a car with a round steering wheel with a stunt man wearing a wig, and then they cut to David Hasselhoff, and there's the hero car. And, you know, so uh, it's really hard to, to reference the TV shows when you're trying to do this. And, you know, people ask me why I only do these 80 car, 80s cars, and it's because they just haven't made anything cool since the 80s. I mean, this new uh, movie, like we're talking about, you know, the Ford versus Ferrari, if somebody were to call me up and say, well, I want a movie car from that movie, well, good luck getting one of these GTs or one of the Ferraris from this film or even replicating it worth a damn because it's just not something that's easy. But back in our heyday when we were growing up as Gen Xers and boomers or whatever we are, you know, you could go down to the Pontiac dealership and pick up an 82 Trans Am or you could get an 83 
GMC van, or you could even find a 69 Charger and paint it orange if you wanted to. You know, I was talking but, about the general. You talk about unrealistic. Every time that car jumped, it literally kinked it every time. Like, that car never survived a jump. Oh, no. No, I mean, not right or the same thing. I mean, if, if you went off a curb at a jack-in-the-box too hard with that thing, the nose would bend in half. It's a unibody car with no frame. I mean, um, my first car was an 82 Firebird because I love me some Knight Rider. And let me tell you, that's a piece of crap. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, that's, that explains a lot of GM cars from the 80s. I tell you what, hang tight, Bob. We got, we got to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back right here on Hot Rods and Happy Hour on 106.3 WORD. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, guys, welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. We got Rob Pitts in the studio, and of course we got Sean from EMF Autos and Audio. Both of them. All of them. Both. Both of them. Bo- as bo- they both say. of them. We're in the South, so we can say that. But I tell you what, we've got, we're talking about movie cars this week on Hot Rods and Happy Hour. We got a special calling guest. Video Bob Mosley, movie TV car extraordinaire is what hi, you want. Hey, hey. You know, so we were talking <laughs> about GM, GM cars of the 80s and, and TAs. Yeah, 305 Trans Ams are, are, are not exactly known, especially throttle body 305 Trans Ams are. Not exactly known as speed machine. It always tickled me, like when they did Turbo Boost. Boy, if that was oh, really yeah. an option on an '82 Trans Am. Well, you know, I've, the car that I keep as one of my personal keepers, because you know, just like I was watching your your episode a little bit ago about your Chevelle. You know, sometimes you find a car and you just say to yourself, you know, it's, it, you're going to flip it, but then you drive it around a minute and you go, you know what? I better keep this car. So the one for me was an 88 GTA. This thing had 36,000 original miles. It was showroom condition, tune port fuel injected. It's still 305, but I'll tell you what, that thing will There's a big it. difference between a throttle body and a tune port 305, though. Yeah. Huge. You get an 82, uh, you get an 82 model smogged out with 160 horsepower on it. I mean, you know, it, it's just not the same rig, but that – that that 88 GTA, that thing will go. And the car don't weigh that much. Um, it's pretty stiff. I'll tell you what sold me on the car is that you could shut the door. And if anybody's ever owned a Camaro or Trans Am of that third generation will tell you, you have to lift and slam. Yes, well, yep. and the second gen is right behind it also. They have the world's heaviest doors on them. The door's six feet long. I mean, you got par- you can't park next to nothing if you want to get out. Yes, they're, they're, that was not the best design ever. Well, they really uh, happened uh, on a lot of GM cars. It well, there was a lot those. of things, but but the, the Camaros and, yeah, and Trans Ams were horrible. Yeah, you got to lift them up a three-quarters of an inch before you close them. Yeah. 
That's, I hope you don't break off the door handle while you're doing Oh, ex- exactly, because, you know, they made the door handle of the finest quality die-cast yeah. car material. And, and it's guaranteed that handle is going to rattle. You hit a bump, Oh, it it's going to make the worst rattle is, every It's time. like, you know what, we know Everything that people, rattled. we know, I mean, something that probably needs to be made out of three-quarter plate steel because knowing what you're going to have to do with it two years down the road you know what we're going to make it out of? The same stuff they make Matchbox cars out of. Not the Hot Wheels cars, the crappy Matchbox ones. That's the what we're going to make it out of. What's the worst pot metal we can find? Let's make it out of that. Exactly. You know the cheapest pots and pans you can buy at Walmart? Okay, we're not going to use that. We're going to go to the ones you buy at the flea market. Those are the ones you're going to get. We're talking about the ones that you put on the oven one time and they start to melt. Well, let me tell you, they make the headlight bucket out of the same cast material. So the first time some fat girl sits on the hood of your car on top of that headlight, pop, snap, it goes. I can't tell you how many times I've replaced the the, the, the you know the, the the mechanical parts of the thing that holds that headlight on because it's it's made out of this like eighth inch, sixteen inch thick cast pop metal frame. And uh, anything you know, you hit a bump too hard, your headlight will fall off. I mean, it, it's just. There's so many things about that car, and when people call me up and they go, well, I'd like a Knight Rider car, and I say, well, Are you sure? I, I, you know, when I give them the price, you know, typically these things run fifty, seventy-five thousand dollars $75,000, and people ask me, well, why so much? When I was a kid, you could pick one up for uh, the thrifty nickel for $500. I said, well, the problem is, is every one of them is just falling apart. We're going to have to take this car completely apart and replace every single thing on it. We're going to have to rebuild it from the ground up, do a full restoration to make it worth a darn. Then we got to put about $10,000 worth of little Knight Rider gadgets in the dash, in the front and everything, because everything works. Everything's wired up and operates, a little scanner and all that. So, for instance, I'm building a car for a client. It's got an LS1 in it, and it's been beefed up. and, and, it, and It's got a real it, turbo boost. It, that thing will go. Like, when you punch on it, it'll scratch in every little gear. And Do you uh, do the light-up pedals? I don't do the light. I can. I can do the light up pedal. It doesn't come standard with the kit, but I mean, there's an endless uh, list of of gadgets. You can have the light up door handles and the light up pedals if you want, and all that can be done. But most people, after they spend the the first fifty grand, they're done with it. But you know, it it, it all that like I just uh, had a debacle with a paint shop. You know, trying to get the car painted in that piano lacquer black. You know, where it looks like a mirror. Well, that's getting harder to do nowadays because it's hard to find a reputable paint shop that'll do a good job and nobody wants to spend ten thousand dollars on a on a car that where it's half or a third of the value of the vehicle you know oh yeah uh so uh, i an 18 van is another project you know people it, you, you think to yourself well this is a fifteen hundred dollar plumber van well that's exactly the problem you get a van and it's it looks like a, somebody let a couple of monkeys loose inside with a couple of hammers you know it's all beat up because it's been a plumbing van or electrical van with 200,000 miles on it. Then you have to put this awesome three-color paint job where it's gunmetal gray on top with the red stripe and the black, and there's a pinstripe on either side of that red stripe, a custom-made front grille, flared-out, offset, custom-painted rims. You have to make extended uh, rods for the sliding doors in order to clear the fenders and it takes about three months to build one of those, and, and you're only going to get, what, thirty, forty thousand for the van. So it isn't worth doing. And then people think to themselves, well, gosh, thirty or 40000 for a GMC I can, van. I can give me a Knight Rider Trans Am and an and a 18 you know, van. I can, I can get Faces Corvette, too, while I'm going. 
I did a face Corvette, and um, it was just a, you know, what was it, 80, 84? Yeah, well, it was just white. a Corvette was what, white with gray on the bottom or silver on the bottom or whatever it, it, was. it was. White had a red stripe on it, uh, red interior. And there's there's another Triumph of GM, that that uh, that plus one transmission. and <laughs> Oh, that, four plus what three. What was that motor called, the Crossfire? The, the Crossfire. Yeah, that yeah. was that was not a that was not a proud moment. By and, crossfire, they mean taking two pistols, holding them up to your head. Exactly. The I mean, uh, I'm a C4 Corvette guy. I probably like them a little more than most, but I will say '84 was not the year to have. By '84 was so bad they skipped '83. Well, you know that that's the reason they didn't make an '83 Corvette is because of quality issues now you keep in mind look at the quality issues they had with the cars they actually did make could you imagine how bad that 83 really was well think about this the when gm said you know what this is bad enough we're gonna stop here the delorean model number is called the dmc 12 the reason for that is it was supposed to retail for twelve thousand dollars it was going to compete with the 81 corvette now when they were designing the car they wanted it to be safety oriented just like the Bricklin. And the idea behind uh, the gullwing doors was to have a high, wide door sill to protect from side impacts and things like that. But by the time they got through with the car, when it was ready for retail, they had to scratch out the airbags that were going to be in there. And by this time, they had doubled the price of the car to $25,000, came out in 81 during the worst blizzard of, you know, in 10 years, during a fuel crisis, and it just tanked. I mean, they couldn't give them away. And and those cars you know, don't do well. Speaking of safety, they don't do really well in crashes either. They're not too bad. I mean, I don't know too many people who've died in them, but what is bad about them is the engine sits behind the rear wheels, all the weights in the back. You got 15, you know, 235s in the back, and then you got these little skinny 14s up front like a dragster, but no weight sitting on it. So all the weight's in the back. So as soon as you get on any kind of slick surface, whether it's rain or ice, uh, it'll just spin right around on you because it's done it to me. And, you know, you get going around a, a wet corner, and you do a 180, and then you lose control. Or you hit the brakes, and you literally speed up because then you hydroplane. Your front brakes lock right up. There's no ABS, and you skid right into the BMW 760 in front of you like I did. You you know, you're really doing a great job of selling these DeLoreans right now. I tell my customers. I'm, I'm go, really. I want to know where I put my order in now. Yeah, you've I, got I, me I, sold. I, I beg these people, don't buy these. You know, so the people who buy them, they put them in their museums. I don't advertise. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to advertise on your show. I don't advertise anywhere. People find me, and they literally beg me for these cars. I got a long waiting list. The DeLorean Time Machine is a car that's really a work of art. You know, when you look at it. Uh, and I tell them, I go, look, you don't want to drive this thing anywhere. I mean, I tell people who want the Night Rider, I go, have you ever noticed there are no vents on the dash? Black car, black dash, T-tops, you know, I hope you live in Minnesota because you are going to roast inside this thing. There's no air conditioning, and um, it's fiberglass. I mean, it's a movie car, and they're not meant to be practical. They're not, you know, they're meant to look cool. And when you think about 1982, seeing all those digital lights, that was a big deal, man. When I was a kid, my eyes lit up, you know, seeing all those digital dashes and things. But it wasn't but a few years later that that stuff became 
pretty standard. I mean, I had an 87 Ford Taurus, had a digital dash in it. It blew my mind. You know, I thought it was Knight Rider when I got oh, yeah. <laughs> well, in that car. And, and that's the thing. I tell you, we got to take a quick commercial break. Hang tight. We got more Hot Rods and Happy Hour headed your way right here on 106.3 WORD. All right, bye. Gotcha. Three, two. All right, guys. Welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. This is Rob Pitts in the studio. We got Sean from EMF Autos and Audio. Both of them. Both. Both of them. And then, of course, we got our calling guest, movie car, the movie car man. TV movie car man. Video Bob mostly. All the way from Texas. What's going on, Bob? Dallas, Texas. Hey, Dallas. You were talking earlier about you, you got to meet with Carol Shelby. Shel- uh, Carol Shelby. Um, did you ever get to uh, meet any of the other car guys like George Barris or Gene Winfield or any of those? Guys? I've actually met Gene Winfield hundreds of times. Super cool guy. He is the. Re- I actually had dinner with Gene Winfield at the Pepper Mill in Vegas. Oh, that's classic. Which yeah, that I is classic. To- that's casino. You know what I'm saying? The Pepper Mill is a staple. If you're in Vegas, you have to eat there at least once. I can't think of a better place to get a stomach bug than at that. You, you know what? If I'm going to get my food poisoned, I want to eat at the Waffle House Strip Club Pepper Mill. That's what. That's the best it way to describe that place. It's very different. It's got like a little bit of everything, and like your '80s prom all in one. Yeah, it's right across from Circus Circus over there. You can you walk right over to it. Yeah, your feet stick to the floor when you walk in the casino. But hey, it's cheap. It's like forty bucks. You know, so you can't miss it. No. But, as many uh, times got... as many times I've been to Vegas, I have been past there. I've never been there. You're missing out. But I have gotten food poisoning just not there. Okay. Well, that was, <laughs> we, we, we heard about the cornbread at, at Cracker Barrel with you. Well, yeah, that was a separate incident. That was a separate incident. <laughs> I, I was fortunate enough to get to be friendly with uh, George Barris and his man Tony Wood uh, before he died. And uh, the last year that George went to SEMA, I got to hang out with him. He actually gave me his badge. I've got his, I've got George Barris' SEMA badge That's cool. uh, hanging up over my kitchen table. And uh, I've never seen a man yeah, carry so many pins in my life in one pocket. Oh, he would sign anything. It didn't matter whether he built it or not. He would just walk up to a That's car. That's Carol Shelby. Carol Shelby signed kit cars. That's the craziest thing I've ever seen. That's like Picasso signing knockoffs. Now, here's something That's else. like Louis Vuitton signing your wallet for you, your fake wallet. <laughs> I, heard, I heard you got one of those. Yeah. Um, I got ragged for no. it. It's pretty bad when I walk into the Louis store with my buddy Tim Greer, who has on his Richard Petty cowboy hat, overalls, and a wallet with a chain on it. Bigger than your chain on the wallet that you have. And the, the look on the guy's face when we walked in, where are you going to put a chain at on that thing? Not all wallets have chains, Tim. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> I did get me a pair of red Prada shoes at the Bellagio. I got to admit, uh, right. I, I'm a sucker. Yeah. No, but uh, um, so um, there's something Carol used to do is he'd carry around a pocket knife and if he found a uh, one of those replica cars with his badge on there, he'd go over there and pry it off. I'd heard about that. I have heard that. I've never seen it. I did hear that one. Um, Carol, Carol Chevy, he's iconic. I mean, the dude, his story in itself is is amazing. I mean, the dude had a heart transplant. I mean, he's like, I mean, he's that guy. But I mean, other than messing with Dodges, he was probably a pretty good guy. But you know, and. I mean, I'm not going to hold that against him. I mean, everybody's got to do no, weird no, things it's, for it's money. Tough, but man. And, you know, um, talking about Gene Winfield, he was uh, here at an Autorama in Dallas, and I went to see him, and I've met him a few times, you know, because he worked on a bunch of the Back to the Future cars. You know, he made – Really? 
the, I didn't know he that. Did the, yeah. He did the police car and the police bike in Back to the Future 2. There was also like a flying Texaco car or something. He, so he did all the futuristic stuff uh, for Back to the Future 2, and those are all on display at the Peterson Museum right now in Hollywood for their sci-fi exhibit. But he was doing a, a, an autorama here, and he was cutting the roof off of a, a 55 Cadillac, I think it was. And I walked up. I go, hey, Gene, what you doing? And he goes, he goes, uh, stop your yapping and get over here and help me cut this, you know, effing roof off. And he's over there 90 years old with a sawzall cutting, and I'm helping him cut the roof off. And I was like, this is the greatest moment of my life. I, this is just fantastic. The thing you got to understand, Gene Winfield was car guy cool before it was cool. Like, he's got more car guy in the tip of his pinky than we had yeah. all three of us combined. He's just that, he's that real car guy. Well, I've been fortunate enough. Uh, in my career that I got to meet the guys that worked on the original cars. You know, the guy that built the original DeLorean time machine was a guy named Kevin Pike and his team. And on that team, he had Mike Chaffee, who also built the Knight Rider car. And I got to be friendly with all these people and hang out with them and got to be peers with them. And um, that's just really the best is if you can find the originators that you're plagiarizing and become friends with them and they're cool with it. uh, I think that is the, the the best you can hope for and it's gotten to the point where you know universal studios or sony they'll call me when they need something when they need to borrow a ghostbuster car or they need a time machine for something um you know bob gale who wrote the movie back to the future he'll he'll email me and go hey we need something for this project and when the guy that created it calls you you know like uh the, the guy that actually created the time machine concept on paper was a guy named Andrew Probert. Now, what he's famous for was uh, conceptualizing all the stuff you saw on Star Trek, all the like the the, the dashes and things, all that that high tech stuff you see him touching mm-hmm. that doesn't do anything. So this guy, he's the guy who drew the time machine on paper. So he'll call me up sometimes and he'll say, Bob, go out and take a picture of your car from a rear through three quarter angle. I'm going to use that as a reference point because I'm drawing a picture for a, a toy, the, you know, a Hot Wheel. And I think to myself, you're the guy that invented this car 35 years ago, whatever. And he goes, yeah, but I don't remember. It was a long time ago. Just take a picture of your car because your car is exactly like the real thing. So when that kind of thing happens, you know, you, you know, you made it. And you know that you did something right. And. Well, you got to uh, think about it. There was no rhyme or reason. They were just throwing things. Cause, like I've watched some of your build videos before. Like there's some of the most random stuff that gets thrown well, on they, these things. Yeah, they were just walking around a uh, junkyard and tripping over stuff and go, "Yeah, give me three of those. That looks cool." And let's paint that red and glue this to the side. And you know, the original time machine that was they, they used about six of them, and and for the first movie they had three. And the original one that got restored, which is now at the Peterson Museum, uh, I had a a very small hand. I didn't get to put hands on the car, but I gave them some reference material and parts and things. And they put my name on the thank you plaque. But, you know, that car just sat out at Universal Studios on the tram tour for, you know, 25 years, covered in leaves and bird nests and stuff. That's horrible, man. And they just didn't realize the value of it. And the, the executives there, when somebody told them, they go, this is the one from the movie. And they said, really? We thought it was just like a replica like no this is the one from the movie and they spent a year restoring it and now it sits at the peterson looks fabulous and so if you ever get the opportunity to go out to la and visit that place you um, see that car and some of the other ones that we talked about and it's just um it, it to me it's art and uh as most people who love cars they think of these things as art it's not always functional 
but it, it just touched me, you know, as a child seeing those cars, seeing those uh, props and things. And as I got older, uh, not to get too far into my resume, but the reason my name is Video Bob is I was a video producer, and uh, I was a broadcast engineer for a TV network. And I used to build mobile production news trucks and things, and I also did music videos. I did over 350 music videos, and I worked for a, my best friend who, who died last year. His name was Vinnie Paul. He was a drummer for a band called Pantera. And I used I think to, I may uh, have heard of that band. Yeah, so I used Pretty to drive big. To the, I used to drive his tour bus and I did his music videos. That's cool. DVDs and stuff. And on, on in between tours, I'd come home and I'd build myself a Night Rider or a time machine or something nerdy like that cuz I'm weird. All right, so and, Bob, uh, so so I got one for you, Bob. And, and okay. we got we got to cut this one a little bit short. Okay. This is the thing. Out of all the movie cars you built, what's the next movie car you want to build? What's the one you want to build for you? Like, like something could, different. If I could build one for me that I'd keep, it'd be the National Lampoon Station Wagon. The Family Truckster. Yes. The Family Truckster. I would drive that. I'm a wagon guy now. You know, I drive a CTSB wagon, but I've owned so many station wagons in my life. Anything they made a decent full-size wagon of, I had to have it. I dated so, a lot of chicks that drove them. So, so you know. I was, always a, I was always a two-door car guy. Although I bought a four-door Cadillac today, so. My dad had a Roadmaster with the LT1 in it, you know. Oh, yeah. And he, so, wagon. I'm all about the wagon. And if, if I was going to build one, I've always wanted to do that car. But finding uh, two of those LTDs to chop together is, is going to be difficult. Exactly. And I love the Eugene Levy's line in that movie, The Best Ever. If you think you hate it now, just wait till you drive it. <laughs> Bob, I, I want to thank you for being on the show. we got to wrap this one up. Guys, I want to thank you all for playing along. You've been listening to Hot Rods and Happy Hour right here on 106.3 WORD. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.